episode 46, Conversation. It's more than just talking. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educator's podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hi, Elite Educators. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. And whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, this podcast is for you. I'm here to empower you to reach your potential, and I refer to you often as Elite because only an Elite Educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast like this to help hone their craft. I like to start my most recent episode saying thank you for those of you tuning in each week and subscribing and getting that download to listen to on your way to work or during your gym workout, and even for those of you who have gone the extra step and left a rating and a review on iTunes that really helps iTunes know, hey, people are listening to this this show. They find it helpful and keep pushing it out, and that, of course, is really helping educators have a better perspective and encouragement to stay in the game, even when it's tough. So this week's shout-out goes to Nikki Scoots, who entitled her review, Motivation for Educators. She said, what a great podcast for those in the field of education. Gretchen's inspiring words also resonate and carry over to other facets of life, not just for educators. Really enjoyed listening to her empowering words and advice. Great work. Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for letting me know that what I'm saying is resonating, obviously with educators, but even those in another field. And what I'm learning about teaching is really a lot to do with life and things that I have learned personally about myself or through mentorships or just relationships in general about what it is of characteristics about me that I I'm really seeing conveyed in my teaching style or my demeanor or you know my rationale for things or just how I work and so teaching isn't just one box and I think lessons we learn in life really apply to all of our jobs no matter what domain we spend most of our time and so that's what I love about podcasts is you can listen to one on business and apply it to your faith or you can listen to one on education and apply it to your marriage or whatever it might be. I mean, there's lots of lines that podcasts cross when you just really think about the message that's being conveyed and how can I take something away from this even though the topic might not be either of interest or in my current field or something that I truly think I need to work on. But, you know, after thinking about the message, I really feel like this week I've got perspective and I've got a focus on this one area and I really want to apply this message and can't wait to tune in for the next lesson. You know, and I've got tons of podcasts downloaded on my iPad. And I love Monday mornings because it automatically comes down and downloaded and I can listen and I've got leadership podcasts and obviously education podcasts and there's all sorts of people out there who have said hey you got to listen to this person or listen to this person and so I'm listening to things I would have never wanted to listen to before but it's the person that is sharing the message is so engaging and 
so enlightening and they've got so much life experience that it's really very helpful for my personal development. So um, I hope that you find that this podcast does that for you. And, and thanks for Nikki for pointing it out that you don't have to be an educator to take advantage of some of the things I'm sharing that I've learned. Well, today I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by talking about the difference between collaboration and group work in the classroom setting. And true conversation is more than just talking. So hang on, this is going to be one empowering ride. So recently I was asked about the difference between group work and collaboration. And I was, I stepped back for a minute and thought, why is this question being asked? For me, the difference is huge. Group work is one thing and collaboration is another. And I tried to think of why is it that I know that difference? But to many other people, there's obviously a blurred line, especially if someone is wondering. And so I just want to take time and spend this episode diving into the major difference between the two and then the benefit of creating environments where students are truly collaborating rather than just working together. And I'm embarrassed to say that I did nothing but group work. I mean, it wasn't until my last few years in the classroom before I started mentoring teachers that I really figured out what does collaboration look like as an adult, as as a teacher, as a subject matter expert, as a professional? And then how do I take the skills I've learned and teach my kids that? And everyone is in a different place socially, but we all have this main thing in common about the academics we're learning. And it was just a lot. <laughs> it was a huge undertaking but it was the best thing I did and and so that question kind of made me rethink and like yeah you know what way back then I didn't know the difference I thought they were the same thing in fact I don't even know if we called it collaboration back then but when I was learning to become a teacher it was all direct instruction totally about me the teacher up front in the class students in rows maybe in groups but it was all about modeling and just trying to be really interesting and engaging. Everything that I planned in my lesson was about me and how I could do something better. And because that's how I learned. And I've forgiven myself because I know that there's a better way now. But that's how I learned. That's how I learned as a student what teaching was about. But also when I went to school to become a teacher, how they showed me and how I saw other professionals do it. And I did have activities, and students were working together, whether it was in pairs or groups. And, you know, even my observations, my evaluations from my principals, it included something to the effect of students working together. It was very loosely defined, though. Um, and so basically it was like, one, did they talk to each other? And two, what, when they were talking, was it about the assignment? And so I got away with high marks and student engagement because I created activities where students worked together. I say that, you know, with air quotes because I don't know that there was much working on content in the way that I think it was intended or that I even knew was possible. But as my career went on, it became more about the kids. And so I created more activities and made sure everything was very hands-on and it was all about them and not me. And that took some time because I didn't learn that way. So it was a lot of small group instruction and students were always clustered in groups and I was doing mini lessons. And once I got the hang of that, then it was more about the quality of my students' interactions 
And that is really where the roadblock came because it wasn't just enough to provide the opportunity to work together. That was step one. Like I had to create time in the lesson for students to come together. But then I had to teach them how to even do that correctly. And all my students want to do is get the right answer and finish fast and didn't even care if the person agreed or disagreed. And it was kind of like they were using each other. But then I think about me as a student. Well, that's what we did too. I mean, we didn't know any different. No one taught us differently. So no wonder I'm just repeating this behavior. I just had no idea how to do what I knew in my head I needed to, and I was very overwhelmed. Like, how do you create a scenario where every group, where you can't meet with them at the same time, is able to have an enriching discussion without you? I mean, that is a huge undertaking and very overwhelming. And I can't imagine a first-year teacher learning everything about teaching and then constructing these conversations. But I would look at some of the newer teachers, and they were doing it with ease because that's how they learned. They came around later when this is the way that we were teaching now, and They didn't have this roadblock of like this habit, this bad habit that I had. And so I really watched what they did. And it wasn't that it was inspiring or motivating or awe or put me in awe in a state of awe. It was really just that they gave stuff a shot. They were willing to just try it. Like I was so overwhelmed by the thought that I had to sit and create hours worth of this one lesson to have these engaging conversations and These teachers were like, okay, I'm going to give them this assignment and this is what I want the collaboration to look like. So I'm going to say this and I'm going to do this and let's just try it. And then they tweaked it from there. So it wasn't these hours worth of putting into the plan to make it just right, which is what I felt I needed to do. It was, let me make one small change tomorrow. And when that goes well or doesn't go well, I'm going to make another small change the next day. And it was this process of slowly transforming. And I think that was better for me. It wasn't so overwhelming. I didn't bite off more than I could chew. But it was good for the students to start trying this new thing out. And they were getting the hang of it much faster than I was. And it created these little monsters that wanted to collaborate all the time. And I was learning how to manage a classroom in a new way that wasn't silent and in rows and perfectly behaved but that sound and speaking and engaging could look messy and it could be very loud and I had to learn to be okay with that and not feel judged by having a loud classroom and I was okay with the pace that it was moving and the students were really able to adapt their behavior in smaller chunks than if I had just come in and wham bam hit them with this amazing lesson and it would have fallen on deaf ears they didn't have the skills necessary just like when you learn anything like I was immediately thought of basketball you just can't run into the gym and make this three-point shot there's so many fundamental things that you've got to learn and do through drills over and over before you can just be released to do that you know or scrimmage I remember playing soccer and all I ever wanted to do was just scrimmage but I didn't have certain skills to put to practice during that scrimmage and if I didn't work really hard in the boring boring drills then I had nothing to showcase or try out in the scrimmage and so the same things in the classroom is that allowing me to change a little bit allowing students to try it out a little bit we were able to figure out our course of action and make appropriate decisions and really showcase what we wanted to showcase it wasn't 
here, do a hundred things right the first time and go, and then it just falling to pieces, that would have probably been very overwhelming for me. So I started with discussion stems. I gave students some phrases that they could use when they're discussing with each other. For example, like, you know, I agree with what you said when blank, or I disagree that, or to add on to what you're saying blank, you know, anything that could really elongate a conversation, I created this chart of sentence stems and then gave them on pieces of paper to be taped on their desk as they're discussing. And of course, students used it as a Bible and eventually learned how to make that stem their own and show their own personality and use their own wording. But it was a place to get started. So they knew, okay, this is how people engage in a conversation. And of course, (laughs) the conversation started off as like 0.5 seconds long, (laughs) but it was an improvement from the 0.2 seconds, which was what had been happening all along. So technically there was an improvement, but it was slow. And I think it was awkward for students. They felt like, wow, I'm like acting like an adult. And, and I think their hardest thing was listening. All they wanted to do was just say whatever it was they wanted to say. And it's not so much about you get everything off your mind you wanted to. And same with that person because that's not a conversation. So students really had to learn to, okay, I have to put whatever's in my head on pause or mute so I can hear you and respond. And then I have to shift through all my notes in my head to see if, if there's a comment that I have that I want to say that's now is an appropriate time. And that is a lot of cognitive exercise. My kiddos went home so tired from just thinking and conversations were very slow moving. There was tons of pauses, but that thinking time was important because it was setting that foundation for the discourse and making sure that their response is thoughtful and applicable. They wanted to do well. They they wanted to make sure they were meeting the requirements, but also getting better at this skill. And I had to learn to be okay with no one's talking. This is very awkward. <laughs> this is longer than any wait time I've ever used. But slowly but surely, they started picking up pace and they didn't need me anymore and I had to think of okay what support do they need from me now now it's not a sentence stem what is it okay so let me give them some questions that can allow them to change or alter another person's point of view or really push them to explain something better and well that was like opening another can of worms and I had to start all over because I was on this new level and I had to just think on my feet and think as a kid as I'm watching it unfold I just had to be very reactive, like, okay, I'm seeing they're struggling and they're wanting to ask this question, but they, again, have no skills like we did when we were learning just how to have a sentence stem. And it was just a great lesson for me on how to provide an experience without having to be the experience. So I modeled a lot with students. I had them come up and we would role play together these conversations. If two students were having a great conversation, I have them stand say, hey, repeat the way that that just went. But it was really about giving independence to the kids that were ready. I called on my high flyers. Um, If they demonstrated that they were really cruising and they didn't need my interventions or they didn't need me coming around often checking in, I gave them more rope and they ended up having their own book club and I had all the structures in place of of a rubric in terms of what I wanted, how I wanted them to interact and 
They also had their own guiding questions of what they wanted to discuss that day, and each of them had a different role they were going to play, and they knew what they wanted to read and how much they thought they could achieve because they only met once a week, so... Okay, we're meeting on Monday, so what can we read from now during our independent time till the next Monday? What would be a good amount? And it was just a lot of independence. And slowly but surely, the other students saw that happening. And, oh, my gosh, they were really inspired. Like, I want to do that. I want to be that independent. I don't want help having a conversation. I want to be really good and respectful and be whatever that is. Grown up is, is kind of how they felt. And uh, so if you're looking for a resource like that, just head over to Teachers Pay Teachers and look me up. Always a lesson. There's tons of stuff on there in Book Club if you want to roll it out. If you want rubrics, like I've got tons on there. But that really for me was kind of the first time I stepped back and said, wow, like look at the power behind this conversation. They're not just talking. They're conversing. They're interacting. They're engaging. And they're making sure that... They're really collaborating on one central thing instead of group work. Like there was no worksheet. They had to answer 10 questions, but maybe the goal of that conversation was to really fine tune what was the main idea of those chapters you read or what theme are you starting to see emerge? And they could talk for 20 minutes on that. Okay, first the book club was five, 10 minutes and they would raise their hand and say, okay, we're kind of stuck. We feel like we've said everything we want to say. And that's when that really opened my eyes to, okay, now we got to go to a conversation where we listen. So I would have everything that you want to say prepped and ready in a notebook before you come to book club. And then when it's the right time or something's brought up from somebody, you chime in using one of your sentence stem. I'd like to add on and check it off. So, you know, you've said it. Maybe someone says something that's confusing. Can you repeat that? So now you've got your question stems that we've been working on. But that way you don't lose track of all the thoughts you wanted to say. And then at the end, that group leader can say, is there something you had wanted to say that you haven't gotten to say yet? And then you, that, at that point, you can kind of just go through all your different thoughts. And we talked about ways to do thumbs up and nodding and agreement. If you didn't have like a comment, but you just wanted to affirm a thought. Um, and they came up with their own ways to praise, clapping and snapping and uh, little chance. I mean, it was really cute to see that ownership, but more importantly, I mean, they were learning. They were engaged. If someone were to come into my classroom and see that, they would say, now those kids are engaged. It wasn't two kids sitting next to each other completing a worksheet, maybe sort of kind of talking. And that really, for me, was interesting and motivating to want to find how can I do this all day long in different ways. So I was growing, students were growing, the change was evident, my kids were stepping up their game, my talent as a teacher was how well could I convey a message in under 20 minutes so that I could then orchestrate this huge quality learning opportunity for the rest of that 40-minute period. And it really became, like, I didn't even want to get on stage anymore. I felt bad. Like, I know you really want to get to the heart of the learning, but I've got to teach you this concept first before you go collaborate. And they were really patient with me. Sometimes I'd say, okay, I, I think I've gotten this down to 10 minutes and I'm going to give you a lot of time together today. And then it would be like 11 minutes, 12 minutes. And I'd have a timekeeper and they'd say, you know, you're running over <laughs> and they'd get really anxious. And I'm like, oh, I just really want to convey this in the right way. So you're successful. And so I think they saw me also battling and learning at the same time, but it really brought us together. Like we're all learning this together. And I will always thank them for making me a better teacher. And they'll always say, you know, thank you for making 
me a better student. No other teacher has given us the opportunity to be like this. And parents were just like, what is going on in this classroom? Like, I feel like my kid could go to college today. They're just so mature. And like, I haven't had a conversation like I have with them recently. And it's because somehow this independence really pushes kids away from being selfish and they're much more interested. And there's that, there's this quote that you'd rather be more interested rather than interesting. And so you really want to spend your time in a conversation asking about that other person, showing that you're interested in their thoughts or explaining that better or deeper than you trying to be what I was. Like, I need to be interesting. I need to be engaging. It's all about me, me, me. But no, it's it's why that person spent that whole conversation asking me things and wanting to know about me. And it wasn't about them for some reason. And, and so now I feel like my kids could walk away with that skill. And that wasn't necessarily a standard, but it's just quality education. And I wish I had known it sooner. And I do feel a lot of guilt and shame that I wasn't at this level much sooner, but that is life. I mean, every year gets better. You learn more things from life experience. And as long as I'm making the change, regardless of when it happens, that's what matters. And The fact that I didn't keep this a secret in my class and I shared it with my team and my team helped share it with the school and now at district conferences, it's really about paying it forward. And if my 20 kids can do it, so can your 20 and so can your 20. And it's really what's best for kids. And I'm so glad I learned to get away from group work and really start to collaborate. So their conversations are more than just talking. And so I know I mentioned that I just couldn't be everywhere and a lot of students have different needs. And so I was very thankful for the ones that were catching on because that meant I could kind of take them off my daily check-in and I could really hone in on some of the other groups that needed me. But I was providing these systems and these structures for students to follow so that I didn't have to be there. So, you know, mentioning rubrics, you know, pretty much for everything coming out of my ears and accountability, every student, you know, had a role It was overwhelming. It was new for me and it was new for students, but it's passive learning has got to go away. It's got to be active learning. And no longer can students just sit next to one another and chat here and there about the assignment. And no longer could one person out of a group of five do all the work while the others just socialized and then put their name on the assignment for credit. I mean, everyone has a role to play, and everyone had to play the role for the group to be successful, and their learning depends on it. I really wish I had a teacher that helped me step up my game, that made me think and made me participate, made me process. I just regurgitated so much information when I was a student, and I don't know that I really contributed. I asked a lot of questions, but I don't really know if that's a contribution, and my teacher's asked me to participate and step up my game, I think, maybe a few times, whether it was a project that was really outside the box or, but it definitely wasn't a daily or every minute that I was starting to build with my students. And I just wish it was the expectation and the requirement for me to be more involved in my own learning. I just could sit all day in a classroom and never have to do any, I didn't even have to get up. How easy is that? And I know a lot of our college campuses are set up that way, that you just come in a big lecture hall and stand and watch the teacher. But I was just having a conversation with my dad. He did horrible in school because he didn't learn that way. He was not an auditory or a visual learner. He was hands-on. If you could tell him, I'm not even going to tell you how to do this, but go figure it out, 
he would learn so much life lessons that way rather than you sitting and telling him something. And, you know, he'll always say, well, I don't know how to do that. And I'll, and I'll joke and say, just watch a YouTube video. You know, you can Google anything now. And he's like, I don't learn that way. I mean, even as an adult to say like, that doesn't work for me is pretty powerful. And so I know we have a different range of learners and this active learning could really be helpful for students that can't sit and take notes and just suddenly get it, that they need to be more involved and feel it and really touch it and be part of the process for it to stick to memory. And that's what I mean about processing. I just regurgitated. I mean, I really wasn't engaged in the material. I was just repeating whatever you said. (laughs) And that's not really learning and probably why I don't remember a lot of what I learned (laughs) unless it had some experience associated with it. And I definitely survived, you know, later on in my educational career, I figured it out. I was engaged later on. Middle school and high school was set up a little bit different. College, not so much. But I learned how to really work in a group and not not always be the leader. I was the social leader. I wasn't the cognitive leader. So I would definitely be confident and I would delegate tasks. I mean, I would delegate one to myself too. But I was always like the organizer and the one that was going to help make this thing successful. But I wasn't the one that was behind the thinking, behind, that's what I was mentioning about processing and contributing. I don't think that I was really cognitively in the game. And probably why, you know, I had A and Bs, but I don't know that my A's were really A worthy. Now that I think about it, I didn't really accomplish anything pretty amazing. You know, and maybe why my SATs could have been higher or why maybe I could have gone to a Ivy League school or something. And I mean, whatever, life is the way it is and I, it worked itself out. But sometimes I just wonder what my life would be like if I had a teacher like myself now who really is willing to try new things, even though they were taught one way, is willing to throw it out the window, learn something completely new on the fly with their kids. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. You're a learning leader. And there's a podcast out for that. I listen to that one every week, learning leader. Love it. But that's totally true of what it is. I mean, you can't know everything and no one wants to learn from someone that thinks they know it all. And you can't do what worked 10 years ago. I mean, even something I did last year is not going to work this year. We've got different kids. We've got different requirements and we've got to just be open and willing to change. So I call this episode conversation is more than just talking because that's the fine line for me. You know, are you actually conversing back and forth on the same topic? Are you adding on to each other's thoughts? Are you sharing opinions on what was actually spoken between you two? Are you just talking at each other, sharing your thoughts and opinions without really listening and responding? Or are you just talking random topics unrelated to the shared topic at hand? I mean, if you listen to a normal conversation between two people, yeah, it's back and forth. But how engaged are they in what the other person's actually saying? And I've noticed this a lot when people argue is it's so about let me get out my point and I'm going to talk over you and I'm going to speak louder and I'm going to stand up instead of hearing, okay, they're saying this about me. So I'm surprised you feel that way about me, but I can understand why that would be upset if you thought that, because I think if I thought that about you, I would be just as upset. So here's how I see it, or here's how I meant. You know, there's none of that pause and reflection and just calm discussion, and I can't tell you how much my students 
the conflict between them stopped, especially out at recess or at specials. Oh my God, I always picked them up and had some drama that the teacher had to tell me went down while I was gone. Through this exercise of discussion and conversing, they have just suddenly figured out how to work it out. And I think honestly, something had to do with respect. Some kids that didn't always speak up in class or weren't looked at as the smart ones, but were really thoughtful in a conversation or really engaged in a conversation, it gave them props. Like they suddenly had cred (laughs) and they went out to recess and went out to specials and had this new fame and this new kind of personality and everyone appreciated them for it and everyone just started getting along. It was really strange, but these conversations were bringing everyone together, breaking down social norms and really just a huge growth opportunity for everyone. It was, it was a blessing. I'm glad it happened to me. And I say that it happened to me because I didn't ask for it. And I was kind of forced to just get with the program. And I'm glad it happened that way. Because like I said, I was so stressed over the planning of it. That I would have never gone through with it if it was an option or a choice. So thank you for the uncomfortable obstacle. So just get your kids talking. You know, step one is making those opportunities for students to work together. They've got to learn appropriate social behaviors, especially those younger kiddos. But you've got to provide that structure and support. And don't get bogged down in what is the right structure support. Those newbie teachers taught me, you just try something out. And if it doesn't work or bombs, well, you got tomorrow. And don't stress that it's got to be perfect because that's just going to paralyze you from ever starting. So provide those structures and support so learn, students can learn how to disagree, how to add on to a comment, how to stay on topic, how to share responsibility in a group setting, just how to complete a common goal. Maybe you want to start by making yourself a list of what, what is it I want my students to learn so that then you can start creating structures for that. And then once they're talking, help them step it up a notch. So, you know, teach them how to push their peers' thoughts and ask questions and listen on a really deep level without having to respond you know maybe encourage yourself and others when someone's on the right track that's that celebration piece maybe you add a reflective journal after each session so kids can really just throw out their thoughts and and rate themselves like I did a really good job listening today I didn't speak as much as I wanted to that's actually word for word one of my kids on their sheet said And then another thing that the kids might say is, I'm learning so much, I just kind of needed a place to just pause before I jumped into the next subject where I could just collect everything I learned about people or some good things that were said. So I started building in comment time, and the kids decided instead of at the end, because they'd forget what all the awesome things were saying, that if someone said something powerful or interesting, they would jot notes down, and before anyone else could move on in the conversation you know they would just hold up their hand like a stop and that was the signal that I got to jot this down really quick everyone pause the conversation so I can remember it and then they got going and some people were really good about it and again some didn't need to write it down that wasn't their style and that's totally fine but they learned to respect these people need a moment so I'm not going to get annoyed that I don't want to write it down and they're not going to make me feel like I need to write it down but I'm going to let them have that time And your students aren't going to do it if you don't model it, if you don't expect it, if you don't share it, if you don't celebrate it. And obviously, if you're not repeating it daily or hourly or every minute, they're not going to step up. So you've got to make it a habit and you've got to really show them what it looks like, feels like, and sounds like. 
is going to be your new normal. I mean, no more passing out a worksheet and saying, you can work with a partner. Just give them a blank sheet of paper and a writing utensil and allow them to collaborate. So that means they're talking, they're sharing, brainstorming, creating, whatever. Make sure you're clear on the goal and ensure that there's some system of accountability, whether it's that rubric or self-evaluation or journal, some way to make sure, hey, everyone is pulling their load. And then, of course, you as the teacher, you always have your observation or your anecdotal notes. And it's really helpful to jot down even just a few words so that when they do turn in their self-reflection form, you can say, oh, I was actually off. A lot was happening when I wasn't here, but when I did circle, that was alarming. But you know what? Based on their reflection, there was a lot of good stuff happening. Cool. Or maybe you say, wow, this person did really good today. And then you look at the sheet and it was like, they only talked when you walked by. And you're like, okay, this is good to know. So I, I really relied on my notes, but in addition to making sure I reviewed their self-reflections before I made any adjustments for the following day. And so some of the roles that I set up to make sure everyone plays a part, someone could be the writer, someone could be the presenter, someone could be a timekeeper, but everyone has to have the same role of a contributor. You can't have one person researching information. Everyone's got to have their books out, diving in, making comments, but maybe there's just one group writer or maybe one person that brings it all together, but everyone is doing the meat of the assignment. It's just when it comes down to some of the logistical things where we've got an efficient routine and that's what those roles are. So be careful if you are making roles that you don't take any heavy lifting off of somebody, that everyone's got to be thinking and contributing. But when it comes to creating this poster or uh, sharing your, your group discussion, that we don't need everyone to do that. So stop the group work and start the collaboration. It's going to take planning. It's going to take thorough design with a clear objective. But don't let that turn you off because you don't have time to keep doing it the way you've always done it. You don't have time to not teach your kids how to collaborate as the scholars that they are because their future is bright and it's supposed to be. But we've got to set them up so that they are successful. I mean, my kiddos grew years in data. Because every decision I was making, I was letting go. And who would have thought if I just shut up, my kids would actually do better. But I, I learned how to guide and stopped being the main show. And then I also stopped being that mediocre teacher of group work. I mean, I just had to get rid of that habit. And the payoff was so worth it. I mean, there were hours and stress putting into the planning, but... You know, when you really think something through and you're asking the students to do something high level and you're holding them accountable for it, I mean, that payoff is just huge for years to come. I still have parents letting me know things that something they learned in my class, not a not an academic topic, but some life lesson or some skill that they gained in my classroom and how they're seeing it play out in their life or helps them adjust to middle school life or helps them with test prep or ensures that they're having quality relationships with their friends and what an honor that I could construct opportunities for that student and I wish I could say it was because I am amazing and I thought of it on my own (laughs) but I didn't they let me know they needed it and I guess I was brave enough to give it a try and I think all the people along the way that gave me advice or helped me brainstorm those newbie teachers that kind of pushed me to just hey go in there no matter if you don't know what you're doing and just try So just like anything new, it takes time to create a new habit for yourself and your students. 
Reach out to me if you want ideas for how to change any current routines or activities or projects you have. We can definitely sit and talk about how to step them up so that it's true collaboration. Just email me, Gretchen at alwayslesson.com, and I'll respond in and share some insight with you. Of course, nothing probably original, but something I had learned along the way or something someone had shared with me. So I want to make sure we continue paying it forward for each other. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on creating opportunities for rich discussion and collaboration by replacing that standard group work tendencies. So now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcast.com. Network.com for more details.